Welcome to Simply Remarkable. We're so glad you're here today. Happy Friday. Now, Remarkable was created by Remarkable at Speakers Bureau. And I'm your host today, Sue Falcone, founder and CEO of Remarkable. Now, why did we begin this show? We did it so that you could get to meet personally our talent that we represent here at Remarkable and get to know them and also see how remarkable they live and certainly are. And you never know, you just might find the next talent for your next event that you might be planning or someone else is planning. So we're just thank you so much again for coming. The chat line is active and open. So we'd love to hear where you're from or let, let us know that you're there and any questions or comments along, we'll be glad to answer them. Now, my guest today is the high energy nonprofit <laughs> and strategic planning motivational keynote speaker, board retreat facilitator, blogger, and author of the best-selling book, yes, Stop, <laughs> the nonprofit board blame game. We're going to learn all about that today. Now, with his decades of experience working in the high-speed corporate world of NASCAR racing and advocating for nonprofits, and associations across the country, Hardy Smith provides expert advice and develops effective strategies to help solve <laughs> all the business challenges and drive the change needed to bring your organization to the next level. Now, yes, he's high energy, content rich, and engaging master storyteller, uh, storyteller and he delivers a powerful and motivating experience that brings your audience immediate takeaways. And guess what? He guarantees you will laugh and learn. <laughs> Welcome, Hardy. I'm ready to laugh and learn today. How about you? Well, thank you so very much, Sue. Thanks for having me. Uh, and you're also your remarkable live stream audience thank you also for listening in and i well after that build up i want to see who this guy is too so wow he sounds remarkable <laughs> he certainly is he certainly is and to start off today because you know what this this show just goes fast i don't know about anybody else but it just does and but to start off based on your background and where you came from what made you choose the business models of nonprofits and associations to work with? Well, that's a, I get asked that question a lot, Sue. A lot of people want to know, uh, Sue, uh, why you know NASCAR to nonprofits? How in the world did you did you did you pick that lane, if you will, uh, to, to follow? And I I uh, during a thirty year world in that high performance world of NASCAR racing. I had the opportunity that, that very few, and at the time I was a very young, young person. I still think I am young at heart, but maybe age wise, you know, there's a different number associated with it, but I was afforded uh, a whole host of amazing opportunities at a very young age, working all across the country for one of the most 
amazing uh, corporations and businesses uh, the country's ever seen, and that is NASCAR racing. Now, I wasn't a driver, so I always get, well, you were driving. No, I wasn't a driver. I was in the business of the business, and uh, all of the things I was involved in, such as uh, the, the, the planning and strategic planning for the growth of some of the largest sports and entertainment uh, spectator uh, facilities in the country, uh, just all the, the political background of, of things I was involved in as a lobbyist with an office in Washington, D.C., uh, all the corporate uh, level, C-suite level interactions, all of those things were just amazing experiences, great learning experiences. And I, I knew that at some day um, I would have an opportunity to take all these uh, one, this wonderful, wonderfully amazing background and apply it uh, to, to something that I could focus on for myself in the form of a, of a, a business own business for my, for my own business. And during the whole time in NASCAR world, I was speaking all over the country. So speaking professionally is not anything new to me. I've literally been doing that for several decades. And so I'm quite comfortable in doing that. I do enjoy sharing stories, especially from those lessons and days of NASCAR racing and then I wanted to, uh, I've always been involved uh, both professionally and personally, Sue, uh, with community organizations, nonprofits, associations, and been doing that nationwide for a long, long time. So that's where I wanted to take uh, my NASCAR background, which um, I, I'm a little bit of an outlier in the world of, uh, of a nonprofits, for sure. And so I'm not a, a nonprofit professional as such, but, but what I do bring uh, to my audiences and groups I work with is a different mindset because the NASCAR mindset is, is a little bit contrarian. It, it's challenging. It's, it, the NASCAR mindset wants to know why did something work or did not work. Um, and you look at things differently. And so I, I bring that mindset to NASCAR or from NASCAR to nonprofits. And it's something I really enjoy. And that's that's how it all got started. Wow, that is tremendous. And oh, we just thank you that you chose to get in the right lane for you, <laughs> you know, uh, that it can be done. See, that's that's another amazing thing that certainly you can begin uh, your own business and help others. That's that's exactly what you're doing. Now, when you wrote your book, <laughs> how did you come up with the topic? Because you addressed one of the major issues out there is uh, the boards of nonprofits and associations and chambers. Uh, this is key to their business model. So how did you choose that? How did How did you get going on that? Sue, it was it was a, a, quite an interesting journey, and I don't use the word journey lightly. And it, the journey was not a short, quick journey. It it took a while, but um, very pleased with the final outcome. 
the the whole idea uh, before there was an idea for a book um, was the idea again that contrarian uh, personality trait, pragmatic thinking, and realizing that there's a problem that needed solutions. And let me say this and emphasize this: a problem that needed solutions with a different result. Because there's always been plenty of advice that's available, uh, best practices recommended to take for nonprofits, chambers, associations who are or who are being frustrated by a lack of engagement by their boards and board members. But what I saw was the the sector, the nonprofit sector, continues to do the same things on rinse and repeat basis and expecting a different result. And we've all heard that that old saying about, well, you know, what do you call that when you keep doing something the same way and you, but you want a different result? Well, you know, but but what I wanted to do was was be different, uh, look at this from a different approach. So I started a quest, Sue, and my quest was to work with board members, not not professional staff, the professionals, but board members. So I started a research quest of asking board members, why don't board members do what they're supposed to do? And that is one of the that's one of the most compelling questions right now that 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 I've seen that faces you know nonprofit leaders. They want the answers to that question. And as I got further and further into the research and, and the answers all started coming back, I, I realized after a while that the board perspective on why they don't do what they're supposed to do is totally different than the perspective of the nonprofit staff person who has an opinion on why board members don't do what they're supposed to do. And as that as the journey progressed, it came very became very clear that on one side of the of the debate, oh, why don't board members do what they're supposed to do is a finger of blame from the nonprofit uh, professional side and a finger of blame from the board member side pointing directly at the nonprofit professionals, blaming them for the reasons they don't do what they're supposed to do. And that two fingers of blame is what led uh, to the development of the nonprofit board blame game title. Wow. That was a long journey. Yeah. But I could see it would be very exciting to, to see, because you're right. I think the most asked question out there in that world, especially today, is why don't board members do what they're supposed to do? You know, that is, I mean, everybody that's been on a board or thinking about being on a board, you know, they're, they're wanting to know, they're wanting to see that. So I am so glad that you wrote this book because it does answer a lot of, a lot of different areas that people need to explore in their organizations. And it's amazing that, we can still learn, right? And we can do things different, can't we? Well, if you want a different result, you have to do something differently if what you've been doing doesn't work. I mean, it just, 
doesn't make sense. So there's uh, the book is is a challenge. It challenges nonprofit leaders, and it's not just for nonprofit leaders. It's for board leaders also because they do play a direct role in board engagement, obviously. Um, but it's not just a uh, telling you that you have a problem. No one, no one needed any more information about that, but it's just identifying the problems that are out there and providing the, from the board member's perspective now and providing uh, the how-to solutions to overcome those problems and situations that, that they create. Yeah, we've got some excited people that are uh, sharing with us. So it, thank you, Julia, for your comments, because she's telling us that there's a lot of toxic mess in some nonprofits <laughs> and social services, especially healthcare. Yes. And uh, and they're supposed to help, but they're not. So you've got some some real work to do out there, right? Well, one of the things is is I, I, I pick that I pick up on that comment about, uh, and I get I, I'm assuming the references to board members when when our, our our viewer says they're supposed to help and they're not. Well, here's here's the thing that as a sector we do a very across the board. Now, let me say before I've probably already offended a whole lot of people. Um, there are some very good nonprofits that are, have very good boards and they have very good relationships with their board members and everything is all great. And hallelujah, it's great to hear that. I know that's the case. High five to you, you know, virtually here. Um, but these lessons that the book shares will also help you keep those relationships and maintain those relationships because you can't really slack off uh, in, in your relationship development. But when our, when our viewer makes a comment about they're supposed to help and they don't, here's more than likely the situation. In the recruiting phase, there was no clear communication around expectations. And the the reason we typically don't have clear communication in the recruiting phase is if we, when we, we figure out, Sue, if we start letting a prospective board member know how much uh, they're going to be asked to do, what happens? We're, we're afraid if we tell them all that up front, they might say no. And now we lose our board prospect. And now we have to start all over again. So in way too many cases, so it's unfortunate, but the focus is more on filling the seat rather than getting the qualified people that you truly need. And that's one of the things that, that the board member research and the feedback I get from board members nationwide tells me, Hardy, one of the reasons that, that, at one time, they were very good, super engaged board members, and they get turned off is because the, the organization doesn't have the right people. They don't in their, they don't recruit board members with purpose and process. And in the book, I outline how to do that properly and, and avoid the headaches. But quite often, you've got people on your board to be fair about it. You know, hold, hold up some of these concerns to the mirror. 
and is a nonprofit professional, what are you possibly contributing to the situation that's leading a board member not to, to meet expectations? I think that's very true. Uh, and also, sometimes, like we, we're talking about clear communications, aren't we? Well, sometimes the vision and the mission of that nonprofit or association or chamber is not clear <laughs> even to members of those organizations, let alone the board. Okay. So I think that's a, a another arena that, you know, we always said you need to make it clear and concise or they'll make it up, you know? And, well, that's absolutely true, uh, Sue, and you really hit on something. I, I, I suggest to organizations use planning as an engagement tool. If you if you will get your board members involved in your annual or every other year, how, however often you develop your strategic plans and annual action plans, by all means, get your board members involved. Now, let me share a quick reason why here. If you're an organization, well, number one, unfortunately, the nonprofit sector is horrendous about doing, and I'm going to emphasize here, good strategic planning. Uh, and the word good is the optimum word here. Um, and then maybe doing but, you know, before that. But uh, as a sector, we know why you should plan. We know the benefits of planning. But strategic planning has such a negative connotation in the sector. Uh, some people say, well, it's just a waste of time. Uh, the plan we did during the last strategic planning activity, it's on a shelf and never was implemented. Uh, well, you know, all those things mean it was not a good planning process. Probably did not have the implementation uh, steps and phases and timelines and measurements of, of outcomes and metrics included and task identified of who's going to do what and getting confirmation of all of that. But one of the things that that we'll do as a sector, the nonprofit professional, Sue, the Chamber of Commerce Executive Director, the association uh, uh, CEO, will say, you know what? I, why fool with these board members? It's hard to get them to come to a planning session anyway. What I'll do is I'll just, you know, I'll just take a, a few hours on the weekend. I'll knock out the plan. I know what we need to do and I'll present it at the next board meeting. Well, no doubt that you probably came up with a very good productive plan, right? Well, what's the missing element? The missing element is the involvement of your board members. So they're not involved in the plan if their role is just to receive it and maybe read it at the board before the board meeting and then vote to approve it. They haven't committed to doing anything. You're wanting you're wanting to your your board members to do something on, on a as part of a task in your strategic plan. I haven't committed to anything. I just approved the report. You didn't ask my opinion. I've got a great friend who's the chancellor of, of Troy uh, State University in Alabama, a good friend of mine for a number of years, Dr. Jack Hawkins. And he said, Hardy, if they help bake the cake, they own the cake. So use planning as an engagement tool. 
And without good planning, organizations drift, just like you said. They're not exactly clear. They may know what their mission is, but they create the perception of to their board members. They're not there's no certainty on how they're going to go about achieving their mission. How are they going to allocate resources and take advantage of assets properly and make decisions on what to do and not to do? So they drift and that turns off board members. Use good planning as an engagement tool. That's that's key. That's key. I, and I think that's key to anything that we do. We should ha all have good planning but with dealing with people you you've got to get them involved and that's that's a great way and i bet having fun with them doing fun things with them to get to that planning session is key isn't it because people now they learn better if it's not so technical you know they want it fun and um getting out of the box really of how they're normally used to doing. Absolutely. And, and you know, another one of the, the important things about getting the board engagement that you want, you know, the what's what's the what's the uh, number one key to success to a good, positive, long term relationship. Now, I, when I'm doing a, a planning or when I'm doing training sessions on effective communications, I'll ask this question. And from from the females, the ladies in the room, I get 100 percent the same answer every time. The guys usually try to act cute and mess it up. But what's the number one key, most important element to a good, long term, successful relationship? And that's good communication, good communication. And board members in my research have shared with me the number one reason good board members turn off is because of poor communication. Now, that's not about more communication. It's communicating effectively. So a couple of quick examples here, Sue. So the report that staff puts together that you know uh, the board members aren't going to read. Um, you still, but you still do the reports. You're obligated to do that. But some board members will appreciate a good lengthy report with a lot of details. Some members just want an executive summary. Some might appreciate if it's a particularly contentious or very difficult issue to discuss. So they may want an advance phone call prior to the meeting or even a personal visit. But you have to imagine, just think if you would, and, and for everyone uh, on our on our uh, live stream today, just briefly close your eyes and think about your last board meeting. And, and with your eyes closed, go around the room. You've got all of those faces of individual board members. Well, each one of those individual board members represents a pre individual preference for their choices on how they want to be communicated with. Not only the platform, how they want to deliver it, how it delivered, the style, how the communication is delivered, the format, the amount of information, 
Uh, Sue, okay, everybody open your eyes again. The when I worked when I worked for Mill France at NASCAR Racing, uh, when I went in to give him a report on a particular situation, he would say, Hardy, look, I don't need the weather forecast. I just want to know, is it raining? Yes or no. And that's that's all he wanted. Now he could certainly ask questions, and he would do that quite often, but he just didn't need big, long, lengthy reports. He didn't have time for that. Um, but every single board member is unique, and, and to be an effective communicator, you've got to understand different personality types and how each different individual wants to be communicated with so you can be an effective communicator. And one quick tag on, what's the most important element to good, effective communication? Listening. Board members tell me they don't feel appreciated. They don't feel listened to. They've got ideas. They've got experience. They've got questions. And board meetings aren't designed to let them uh, share thoughts and opinions. And so they don't feel like they're listened to. So here they are, these probably the most important people in your local community, and you're not giving them the time to share the benefit of their experience, share the benefit of their thoughts and ideas, or even ask questions. So in their mind, it's a waste of time. Why are they there? So coming to your board meeting to them is totally non-productive, doesn't get anything done, and is a waste of time. It's not going to take long for them to turn off. Exactly, exactly. Now, time flies. Let me tell you, we could, we could spend all day here, and I'm sure everybody would love to come in and chat with us because you, you've got one. Julia, thank you for that comment because she knew there was something off. She just couldn't put her hands on it. And now you've opened some eyes there. That's the key to you helping uh, out in this industry. They have to know there is help. They don't have to be like they are all the time. And that's, that's key. But one last closing on your topic. What are the biggest challenges facing nonprofits and associations and chamber of commerces going forward? What's the one of uh, the biggest challenge? I, I would say the overall biggest challenge is the challenge of uncertainty, um, which actually isn't a new challenge, right? I, th I think we've come to realize we are always in some period of disruption, uncertainty for one reason or another. The way you can help future-proof your organization, listen to this carefully, the way you can help future-proof your organization is use your board as a high-value asset. Get the right people on board who can make a difference for your organization, get clarity on expectations, communicate effectively, Make your meetings matter so they are not to be missed meetings. Out specific outcomes occur because of your meetings. And you've got board members who are totally committed to serve your particular organization and give every single thing they've got to help move you forward into the future 
no matter what the challenge or what the uncertainty might be. That is so key. That is so key. Thank you for sharing that because you're right and we're all facing it. But nonprofits, associations and chambers, it's a big issue going forward. So we've had to face it in ours. I'm sure we can you can help all of our nonprofits and chambers and associations out there face that. Now, one last I do have one last question that before we leave today, Hardy. What are you going to do today to be remarkable? <laughs> well, uh, number one, the day started pretty early. So getting an early start uh, is always important. Having a chance to be uh, with Sue Falcone and the remarkable live stream is another thing. I've got other uh, several other uh, uh, podcasts on the schedule Uh Today, I'm because of the book, I'm kind of a I'm a hot guest right now on the, on the <laughs> podcast circuit. Um, and there's there's going to be a little bit of creativity work going on today, uh, some client follow up work. And, uh, you know, it's just the hammer is down. Uh, so, I, I, again, I, I bring that NASCAR high performance mindset into every single day. And uh, I, I make every day as remarkable as I can. And you certainly do, because you certainly make my day. I love working with you, so we just keep going. That's what we do. <laughs> now, and to our audience here today, I challenge you to ask the same question. What are you going to do today to be remarkable? I'd love for you to put it in the chat line, comments to us, whatever, because we'd like to know what you are thinking about doing to be remarkable because that's how we live and you can live that way too we know that and we hope you will join us next week next friday can you believe it is february already wow. <laughs> i mean i don't know where january went the first month of the year but hey it's gone almost but next friday february 3rd we will have the remarkable mike pierce known as and Arctic Mike, he's an international keynote storyteller. He's a filmmaker, a best-selling author, and he's the first American to complete the Antarctic Ultra Marathon, which was 62 miles. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So be sure and join us. He's got a story to tell. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. So you won't miss an episode of our show and can go back in case you forget the wonderful information you heard today from Hardy or that you want to share it with somebody uh, because they need to know. And we're just excited about all that's going on in your lives today and ours. And we just want you to have a remarkable week coming up and we will see you next Friday. Bye, Hardy. Thank you so much for coming from, he's in Daytona Beach, Florida. Speed Week's time in Daytona. It doesn't get any better than that. Thank That's you, Sue. Right. It is. It's February. <laughs>